when was it last Filbert Street, Ed? That's like a long time ago now, isn't it? About 10 years ago, I think. Yeah, yeah. that's proper old mantle. Well, what was the Walkers Stadium and now the King Power Stadium, something like that. Yeah, okay. I think, whatever. I've, I think I've even been there, not for football, but for some function or other. It's classic modern stadium, isn't it? It is, yeah, pretty soulless. Not very interesting. Uh, unlike Vicarage Road, which is a sort of Old soulful and interesting stadium. Yeah. You know what? An interesting game as well, wasn't it? Yeah, you can't say that one was boring, can you? It could have done with being a bit more boring in parts of that game. Yeah, like the last 90 seconds or so. Yeah, not, not good if you've got a heart problem or so. But you know what? Actually, United started the game well too. You know, started the game at a good pace and removing the ball. I, I, I don't know what it was about United that was different, but in attacking areas... Felt a bit kind of lively and bright, didn't it? Why, why was that, Paul? I have no opinion on that subject. You know, so the press conference happens. First of all, the the international break was obviously horrific for reasons that have nothing to do with football. So there's this odd kind of atmosphere and obviously loads of our squad were heavily involved. Schweinsteiger was there and then the Germany friendly was cancelled and Martial and Schneiderlin both played for France. And Martial then gets injured, leaves the stadium on crutches but then Van Gaal says in his Friday press conference it's not that serious and he could even at a push have played on Saturday but he doesn't play and instead of playing James Wilson who didn't even make the squad is a front two of Jesse Lingard and Memphis Depay yeah uh, I'm not sure anyone could have predicted that kind of attacking unit, but but I guess it worked. I mean, Depay scores, uh, Lingard was pretty lively, and I just think, generally speaking, United's attacking play was just a little bit brighter, a little bit quicker than it had been in uh, in some previous games this season. So, uh, although look, this is not a game without incident, was it? Uh, not only were there was there an early injury to Andy and Herrera, but um, a very odd tactical switch. Uh, and then all the drama at the end. Uh, but but either way, pretty entertaining, and it takes to United to within a point of the leaders' Leicester. Absolutely. <laughs> Remarkable weekend, the way it all went down after that game, with City getting battered by a mid-table outfit, and um, Arsenal getting beaten by a mid-table outfit too. Uh, that, that went very well, really. Uh, Leicester, of course, are a top, top of the table outfit nowadays. We'll come on to them later in the show when we look forward to our trip to their place. The, the Watford game, that first 20 minutes was amazing, I thought. It was, apart from maybe Goodison Park, probably the best United have played all season. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, you, I mean, just straight out of the blocks, moving the ball quickly, making chances, felt like a, a United side of old, almost. I mean, I, I don't want to over-egg it, but actually United had five shots on target and created a load of chances in this game, so... It was much better from an attacking point of view in terms of the output, but also just felt a bit more like United in many ways. Yeah, Herrera, when Memphis plays is, is selected to play up front, my immediate thought is that this can go two very definitive ways. One of them is he can carry on the kind of terribly wasteful form that he's received of late, and the other is that he can really step up and put in the kind of performance a bit of a almost like an announcement performance you know that's like he's ready now to make an impact and there's no better way to get off to that kind of start than to score a really good goal after 10 minutes gorgeous ball from Herrera just beautiful uh, but a really nice strikers finish from Memphis yeah took it really well yeah lo- lovely ball from Herrera as you say um, Shane injured at just the wrong time. Uh, That's awful. Yeah, really, just for many reasons, uh, given who might be fit again at, at the weekend, or midweek, in fact. Uh, we're going to go the whole podcast without 
mentioning the name, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, Cameron Borthwick Jackson. No, no, not that one. Um, anyway, what, what kind of formation would you actually call United's at the weekend? Uh, I mean, it's like a 4-2-2-2 two, two, two or something. You and Michael Owen agree on that, if nothing else. That that's what he called it, and I I think that's actually pretty accurate. The the back four, then Schweinsteiger and Schneidlin, then Mata and Herrera, and then Lingard and uh, Depay. Just uh, slightly odd, although you know it it left room for the fullbacks Blint and Young to to bomb forward. I guess they had to provide some kind of width. Blint actually put like six or seven crosses in, didn't he, during the game? So, um, although not all from left back, some from left wing back or left wing or central midfield or wherever else he played in that game so uh, it all shifted around quite a bit didn't it but uh, I mean you know this I, I wouldn't imagine this is a formation or in fact a selection that will have many games this season but it was one that worked um, on the day you know and I guess in yeah in a way that United could feel kind of a bit regretful going into the the halftime break, it just the one goal up, really. Just wasted a few chances again, really. Yeah, uh, I mean, absolutely. So when Herrera goes off, we have a question here from at Jimmy Moran 87 saying, why the incredulity over LVG going three at the back? With the players out, was it not a sensible choice? Brackets, I want fun too. So he's not claiming to be a fan of conservative football. My problem with the decision to go to a back three wasn't even that it's a defensive decision. It's that... At no point ever under Van Gaal have United looked like they can hold on to the ball when they play three at the back. And exactly what happened was that we went to three at the back and lost our ability to hold on to the ball. Yeah, I couldn't name a... Well, I mean, I might be forgetting here, but I couldn't name a game where United have actually played well with three at the back. Or, in fact, I mean, you know, we might mention it as being a defensive move, but actually defended well with three at the back either. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, it's it's really always been a mess and and just a slightly odd decision to, to move to two different like odd systems in one game and it could have really backfired on United because actually Watford created quite a few chances too didn't they their inability to take it was uh, one of the reasons that United came out winners in this game yeah in fact Watford actually had quite a lot of the ball more than perhaps might have been expected so I I kind of expected because Watford are generally speaking this season a team that sat fairly deep and try to break and they don't have a lot of possession and United is a team that hogs possession all the time so I was kind of expecting 70% possession for United but it didn't quite work out like that uh, and Watford actually took the game to United at times after that first 20 minutes and and created a lot of chances and, and really could have been in the game and probably when they, they got the penalty late on in the game almost-ish sort of deserved to get back into the game but I don't think it's almost-ish I think they massively deserve to get back into the game it's only like classic De Gea heroics and Deeney kind of blasting one straight down De Gea's throat that meant that we uh, they hadn't pulled us back a lot earlier like that that De Gea save from the smalling deflection yeah I put a vine of this on Twitter there's um there's a noise in the crowd where you hear the crowd celebrating the goal and then suddenly they they slump because it's it's actually quite rare that you that a crowd starts celebrating a goal before the net goes the net ripples and then the goalkeeper does keep it out. But of course, De Gea managed to kind of readjust his position and get down and just, he's just superhuman at that stuff. I, I, well, he does that uh, rapid reaction 
uh, practice a lot, doesn't he? I don't think there's a goalkeeper in the world that saves that, apart from even Neuer. Uh, I think uh, De Gea is second to none in those kind of close circumstances. Just fantastic, save United once again. Now, I noticed on Twitter we had a question about where would United be now if De Gea had left in the summer? Well, not in not in as good a position, although Kayla Navas has had a fine season for Real Madrid. Perhaps not at the weekend, but he had a fine season overall, so it's not like it would have been a massive downgrade, but it would have been a downgrade and United would not have been in this position if he had left. Thank God. There was a lot of people when uh, Mata was substituted saying, oh, it's another performance at number 10 where Mata hasn't taken his chance. And I thought that was a bit harsh. Maybe I'm just, that's Mata tinted spectacles. But he created three chances, which is more than, it's more than any other United player in this game, let's just say that. They weren't brilliant chances, so I think that the chance creation stat is always a bit of an odd one. Because if you just like side foot the ball to someone who takes a shot from 30 yards, it goes down as a key pass, doesn't it? Which is what happened with the three chances, but yeah. <laughs> two out <laughs> exactly of the, that. Yeah. Two out of the three at least. And maybe yeah, not yeah. 30 yards, but yeah. Um and and I, t- I had this debate with someone today who was saying like, oh he gave the ball away a lot. He he definitely didn't give the ball away a lot. He gave the ball away the only players that gave the ball away less frequently were Ander Herrera who only played long enough to get I think 13 passes and Phil Jones who made 31 passes. He's the only player with kind of normal 40 plus passes that, that you know, he he topped the the pass completion charts for there. Not that that's an end in itself. It just means he didn't give the ball away a lot. No, no, he gave the ball away six times in total <laughs> in the game. So not a lot. Uh, and two of those were inside the Watford box. So I think that was fine. I and mean, what he did do was play the ball from a central area wide quite a lot. So he did go kind of sidewards. Yeah. And and perhaps not the what we really want from Adder at 10, which is, you know, finding the passes to to break down stubborn opposition. So I look, it wasn't his best game ever. It wasn't his worst either. Um no. and um you know we we just don't see matters best often enough. And I think that's why people are frustrated with him a lot. And a lot of that's to do with the fact that he's stuck out on the wing and I don't think um anyone can really expect him to to give his best from there all the time. I, I, you know, some people disagree with that. Some people do think that his best position is a wide one, which I, I guess Van Gaal does too. Not sure I do, but then again, um, he doesn't have many games at number 10 for United and doesn't have many games at number 10 for United where he really runs the game either. And, and I feel like this game was really unfortunate the way it went because once Herrera goes off and the shape gets restructured, it all becomes a lot more complicated, doesn't it? It's all, it's all a much... It's a much less fluid job then um, for Mata. And, and yeah, I don't really want to just make excuses for him because they're, they're definitely players that I wouldn't necessarily make those excuses for. You know, when Van Gaal goes to the back three, I feel like it's a bit like his decision to play a front two in that game. I feel like there is he has a tendency to, if, if he feels like a position is weak on a pitch, just try and put more players there. Like, he plays a back three when he doesn't think that the defence can quite handle it. In a, in a back two he, he plays a front two in that game because he doesn't think either Lingard or Memphis can do the job on their own um so he just kind of rejiggers the system that way but you can't say it didn't work against Watford until the Herrera um injury and then I think of course we have to talk about the uh fantastic classic Man United team spirit late goal right well, that was the thing. I mean, yes, it's a cliche, but that was the truth. United went for the winner afterwards, which is unusual 
for a team under Van Hull. You don't really see this a lot. Uh, but Pard plays forward, got a ball in the box, breaks across to Schweinsteiger, who uh, is clearly not going to score with that uh, shot come cross. Not quite sure what he was trying there. I guess he was trying to score. Um, and it's in the net. But yeah, credit to United because they piled forward after the penalty. They got some reward for it too. And it was vintage, the, the kind of vintage stuff you hear about Ferguson, which it, it was not panicky attacking. The corner comes in and Chris Morning makes that, the first corner comes in, Chris Morning makes that brilliant backhill attempt, which Gomez saves. And then we get another corner and they try the back pass routine again. Um, the short corner routine, having put put the previous one directly into the box. Uh, but this time it really works. And a bunch of players kept a really calm head in that spot. Uh, notably Pereira, who fed Lingard really intelligently. And Lingard put in a, it was a really good shot from Lingard. It wasn't like a, you know, a snatched attempt. And, and he probably had every reason to be a bit down on his confidence because he'd missed a, an absolute sitter a few minutes, well, Sit is a strong word. A very decent chance a few minutes earlier. Yeah, very true. Uh, the short corner routine works. I, mean, I suppose if you try it over and over and over and over again, it's going to work one day. <laughs> it's like Phil Jones. If you put Phil Jones on corners all season, one time United will score. Uh, so, yeah, I suppose so. Is it, is, that Van Gaal's going to be able to kind of self-congratulate himself now, isn't he? That made no sense, but um, because uh, it finally worked, I guess... Uh, United will finally not concede three goals playing three at the back one day. Um, yeah, the, the Watford were terrible in the first half, like absolutely appalling. And we should have been out of sight, really, because they just kept giving the ball away and it just really looked shaky and generally bad in a way they, they haven't really looked this season. Um, so that was kind of odd, but they definitely got it together and they shifted things around a bit at half-time. Um United haven't had an assist from a corner directly from a corner since David Moyes was in charge. Um, I think Rooney got two assists that season. The season before, Van Persie got three and Rooney got two. The season before that, I think it was Young with one. So we just are terrible from corners and have been from a for a really long time now. What's the what's that in comparison to the best in the league? I mean, who who scores a lot of goals from corners? I think the uh, the two thousand and twelve thirteen season where you get five assists between Van Persie and Rooney is pretty much excellent. I, I don't think you don't generally see numbers bigger than that. Matt Ritchie got I think six assists from corners in the Championship last season. I haven't got Premier League stats to hand. There you go. Yeah, corner nerd. Uh, I mean, I, look, you can see what United are trying to do with with that, and um, one is. Well, change the angle because mainly it just goes short and then into the box. Um, but sometimes they recycle it back and keep the possession too, which is, I guess, fine if you've got some other plan. If it's if it's backwards and then slow, 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 then it's it's not so good at all. Um, but hey, look, United scored from it and and won the game as a result. So uh, I guess um, that's uh, one in the uh, assist column for Van Hal. Yeah, and I mean, of course, it doesn't count as an assist from a corner, but yeah. Um, but the, the 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 slow, slow, slow thing just wasn't happening, was it? There was there was nothing about United's build-up play that was slow, slow, slow. Even at one nil, when we could have done with a bit of poise and calm on the ball. It just wasn't happening. But in the first half when we were attacking, it was just really, really notable that the tempo and variation in United's attack was just a lot better than it has been of late. Yes, it was. Why was that, Paul? I mean, it it is hard not to draw the, the somewhat obvious conclusion, isn't it? Look, Van Gaal has seen the light and uh, dropped Martial. No, 
no, no, wait, that, that's not right. No, look, it's hard not to draw the conclusion. Of course, one game doesn't provide you with an awful lot of evidence, but uh, the conclusion that uh, our friend uh, Mr Rooney was not in the team helped United speed the play up just a little bit. Yeah, and we'll see what happens uh, when he inevitably comes back into the side, as he surely will against PSV. He will, because Herrera's out, uh, along with about... A dozen other players, by the looks of it. <laughs> yeah, it was. A, it was injuries were the story of that game, and of course that meant that there was a really interesting bench. Remember earlier this season when I said, "Yeah, well, definitely that record will definitely go this season." That record isn't going anywhere, is it? That the uh, so Marcus Rashford on the bench and Sean Goss and Pereira as well who got onto the pitch, but he he really just does go to the kids when he runs out of fit. Uh, players doesn't he he does it's such an interesting thing so I mean he's got a thin squad anyway because he chose to create a small squad says he likes working with a small squad so on the one hand you've got Van Gaal who appears to take no risks in terms of tactics Um, and United basically just not a team that that throws people forward and, and leaves open spaces and yet he's able to take or willing to take risks with players all the time throwing in 16, 17, 18-year-old kids, uh, maybe not 16, but youngsters that have played very little under-21 football and, and willing to use them all the time. And it just seems like a weird dichotomy, doesn't it? Where you've got this kind of really conservative style of play, yet he's prepared to take a chance on young players. I mean, it helps, of course, helps. Um, he, he had little choice, I suppose, if he's got a small squad, but to bring some young players into the squad. But he's actually giving players chances too, except for Wilson, who's not getting a chance at all. He's the one young player in the squad who's uh, in Van Gaal's bad books. Yeah, this is a real anomaly, isn't it? And um, I mean, maybe it is that Van Gaal's conservatism has been overstated and that his tactical conservatism at the moment is a reaction to what he thinks is the relative merits of his squad um, and the best way to grind out results. And like against Watford, with his back against the wall, he could have gone super duper conservative, but he didn't. His starting 11 was incredibly progressive. Um, You know, so this happened. It's a real thing. It's not speculation. Right. He he has got it in his locker. And he's incredibly progressive about the kids because, as you say, it isn't just putting them on the bench to fill up the numbers. Borthwick Jackson came on when we were 1-0 up for 30 minutes or something, or 20 minutes at least. Um, so, you know, that's a serious, important, grown-up role. The Wilson thing is fascinating, and there surely just must be something going on there. Yeah, uh, I've no idea. Say conservatism for us again. Conservatism. 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 <laughs> I was very, very drunk. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I, I don't know why Wilson's not in the team. Um, uh, you know, if if uh, if we didn't have a lot of faith in him, uh, if Van Hal didn't have a lot of faith in him, it would have been better for him to be out on loan because um, not only is he going to get not the quality of football he needs at under twenty one level, but he's not going to get very much football either because they play hardly any games at all. Um, so anyway, we'll, we'll see what happens with Wilson. Maybe a January loan is in the offing. I guess it will change a bit next week because a whole bunch of players are back. I mean, obviously not Luke Shaw and Valencia is out for, what, what, three months or something because of the operation he had this week. But Fellaini, Carrick, 
Martial, Rooney all back next week. Uh, maybe Jones as well. Herrera, we're, I guess we're waiting on how bad the hamstring injury is. But a whole bunch of players back. If not for PSV in midweek, then definitely for the Leicester game. So um, maybe the youngsters won't get the same chance again. Yeah, and that's okay because that's sort of how it's supposed to work. And 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 you would imagine that like a player like Jesse Lingard, who has taken his chance and seized it with both feet, will still be in the first team picture. Because Van Gaal's big on form, isn't he? He doesn't he doesn't tend to drop players. And actually, this causes a bit of a problem for Memphis because once again we've got Rooney, Memphis, Lingard, Mata, uh, Martial. That's five players and four positions for them to play. And you think, okay, on one hand we've got plenty of games to select from, but on the other hand, Van Gaal doesn't just rotate for the sake of rotation very often. He he plays the players he thinks are playing well and he keeps playing them until he doesn't think they're playing well anymore, generally speaking. So what happens? One of those has got to go, right, from the, the starting eleven, and, and you can't drop Memphis. Obviously against PSV, I think it's going to be quite easy. I'd be surprised to see Martial rush back uh, for that one. Van Gaal sort of answered a question from the press on Friday saying, in a way, it's sort of slightly a good thing that Martial's had an injury because it means he gets a rest and he's been in the spotlight a lot and played a lot of games and he is very young. Yeah, yeah, and uh, no guarantee that he's fit for the PSV game anyway. Although, obviously, this is a, a really key game that United can effectively qualify uh, from from the group yeah, if they win. So, you know, not, not one where you want to be resting players if you've got a full and fit squad. Uh, let's just assume that Rooney is, is well again uh, and comes back into the side and um, we'll see what kind of formation they play. Does he play Memphis up front again and Rooney a bit deeper? Um, and then, I guess, Lingard and Massa on the wings. Uh, perhaps that seems like it might be the kind of Van Hal way. Yeah, I think I'm looking at the, the group and I think, a win does qualify us, doesn't it? Because we'd have yeah. 10 points then. and uh, uh, Yeah, so yeah, uh, maybe if Moscow win, they could still catch. But anyway, it is a massive game. The fact that Memphis played really well when he went back to Holland and played Eindhoven and they all have a lot to prove and he is super confident means it, it does seem totally logical to play him. Uh, Van Gaal said his best position was striker, which I thought was sort of telling and interesting. Yes, although we've had this debate before. What does he really mean when he says striker? <laughs> the man who stands in front of the ball not getting it when it's being passed between Schneiderlin and Schweinsteiger. Mm. These are just jokes, Louis. I love you, even if the rest of them don't. <laughs> yeah, well, look, maybe uh, maybe the win at Watford will keep the wolves from the door for another week, I guess. Uh, not, not that there's too many people really wanting Van Hull out, but the, the sense of frustration with the... The style of play um, has been building and maybe just dissipates a little bit after after the game at Watford because United were more attacking and were more creative and created more chances than has been normal this season, no doubt. And moved the ball quicker in the final third. Again, no doubt. Yep. And then absolute joy when Schweinsteiger scored and that brilliant, brilliant shot on the bench of... Uh, the, the, the shot was obviously designed to catch the manager celebrating, but you see behind him, Ander Herrera absolutely flips out. He just cheers and then he just like bangs on the side of the the bench construction thing there. Uh, absolutely delighted with that. And I, I thought that was quite telling, really, because here's a player who is uh, on, on the sidelines for this game, his kind of emotional investment in the outcome of this particular match can't be that significant, really. And I think it speaks to uh, some kind of belief among United that they 
amongst the squad that they need to be taken seriously as genuine title contenders this season because why else do you celebrate a last minute winner against Watford like your life depends on it when you're not even on the pitch you know well given the inconsistencies of other teams um well Chelsea consistently a bit crap (laughs) um one at the weekend but not not that impressive um and Arsenal and City both lost then you know United are title contenders um I I think any of the statistical models will show United ending up third or something like that and that's that's to do with the fact that the team just doesn't score that many goals but no one is running away with this and uh, you know the way that City got absolutely battered at the weekend ought to have Pellegrini pretty worried about his his team's resilience and Arsenal we know they're not resilient Uh, so and and United are definitely might not be the most inventive creative side in the league by a very long way uh, but they're going to grind out a lot of results when the pressure's really on. And uh, maybe that's the style of team that wins the Premier League this season. It was just great to see the kind of the investment in the squad start to pay off, really, in terms of like crucial results at crucial moments. Schweinsteiger's influence massive in that one. Uh, and you mentioned very briefly Daily Blint earlier. And I think just on general Daily Blint watch purposes, he had an excellent game in that game, put up some heck of great numbers in terms of use of the ball was really effective at wing back and left back a good performance from daily blint yeah he he did well again putting a lot of crosses and uh, it's a little odd van hal talked about perhaps buying a left back well i mean really i mean really <laughs> I, i'm thinking about all the positions on the pitch where united need another player and and rocco's done all right there and it's blint's best position and shows the and Shaw's to come back. It just do not need another left back. He is totally obsessed with left backs. He's bought three. That's just not enough for him. He wants more, more, more. Could do with a right back is what United could do because uh, Damian is well out of favour and Valencia is out for another three or four months and not a very good right back anyway. You don't want Phil Jones out there, please. Uh, and, uh, and well, Young out there is not much better, is it? Well, it's a lot better because he's good going forward, Young is. Yeah, he's not a good going back, but, you know, hey. Um, so, yeah, a right-back might be a much more sensible buy in the January window if we're going to buy a full-back. I, I think that Damian doesn't play in that game because I, I think he likes Young in games where he's not particularly worried about the opposition left-winger, and uh, this is my pet theory anyway, that he's not particularly worried about the opposition left-winger and he wants the, the attacking contribution from Young. Um, that's my little pet theory anyway. Maybe he just doesn't rate Damian, but I, I think I think Damian will come good again. We saw how good he can be earlier this season, didn't we? Talking of defenders, what is Marcus Rojo doing? Yeah, you know, he's a proper defender. People like to say that. I mean, because he is. He likes defending. Sometimes he just does a few dumb things, doesn't he? Um, and he seems to have that little bent in him. And, uh, I mean, it almost ruined the game for United, didn't it? Yeah, it really did. And it, there was just no need at all in that moment but everyone makes mistakes apart from Chris Smalling even he probably makes mistakes occasionally he hasn't made a mistake since uh, (laughs) Manchester City and that red card when it was the dumbest piece of footballing dummery there's ever been Uh, and uh, ever since then he's better by the week absolutely masterful once again so let's do a bit of a preview of the PSV game shall we and then do a bit of Twitter questions before we look forward to Leicester the big one. The big one. The grudge match. <laughs> top of the table. Win that. We're top of the league. And of course, uh, win the Champions League game. And we've got a very good chance of winning the group because there'll be one game left 
a, tr- a tricky one, Morseberg away, but um, but a draw to win the group. So yeah, exactly. So that'd be that'd be phenomenal achievement, really. Yeah. So I mean, it's a huge game against PSV because, of course, United lost uh, in in uh, over in in Eindhoven and Einhoven, and PSV beat Wolfsburg in the last game. You know, so they're a good side. Um, but Old Trafford, come on! You you've got to be expecting United to to win this game. PSV not top of the Dutch league, third, I think you said uh, when we were talking before the show. Um, although uh, during the weekend against Willem's Fai, uh, but one, 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 and one before that, so not in bad form at all. Yeah, with a couple of uh, six goal wins in there, as you you pointed out to me. Although one of those is in the cup, so no idea who they played against. Um, but they beat Wolfsburg, of course, as well at home. So their two home wins. That I think United and PSV might just be the two best sides in this group. You would sort of expected it to be Wolfsburg, really, but um, Wolfsburg not having the best season, are they? No, no, lost a key player in the summer. So it might be, we'll, we'll see how it pans out. Of course, if United win this game at Old Trafford, then PSV in a, a little bit of trouble in the group. Uh, also, uh, Hector Moreno will be coming to Old Trafford. What kind of reception do you reckon he's going to get? Hold on, I know this one. A bad one. It's a bad one. That's what it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, the... the Things happen in football, don't they? But uh, I, I, I suspect he will be pretty unpopular with the Old Trafford crowd. Yeah, Van Gaal said that uh, he was going for the ball, not the leg, uh, but it was re- reckless and a, a red card. And I always thought that was the right interpretation. He's He went in far too strong on Shaw uh, and was really badly timed. And I think um, it should have been a red and he was given a pass by far too many people there uh, because he took the ball as well as snapping the guy's leg. Um, so, yeah, uh, and, and it's cost United uh, quite a lot. And not only has it cost Luke Shaw a whole season and, and who knows how he'll come back after that, um, but it disrupted United's uh, shape and back four and, and rhythm and all sorts of things. And, uh, and, and Van Hal talked at the weekend about how he didn't buy another left back because he expected Shaw to play almost every game. So if Shaw hadn't been so great in the summer... Van Hull would have bought a fourth left back. <laughs> he just loves buying left backs, that crazy LVG. Um, what are we doing tonight, Trude? Well, wings then tripped by a left back, probably. I suspect if Shaw hadn't got injured, we would have been having a lot fewer conversations about boring Man United because he was anything but boring, wasn't he, uh, in his first part of the season? Right, right. He adds a lot to United's attack and... and uh... Was very solid at the back in the opening few weeks. Um, just a just an excellent all round player. Um, looks like he'll be back by April or so. Recovery seems to be going well. Yeah, d- delighted for him, and I suppose this will be a sort of a bit of an emotional moment for him, really. But United will want to. Well, they have a point to prove because, of course, they totally dominated against PSV, but PSV looked pretty comfortable for most of that game, especially the second half, where a lot of the this this was kind of bad ticky tacker, wasn't it? It was one of those games. But that was also a game where Anthony Martial suddenly looked like, wait a minute, that goal against Liverpool wasn't a fluke. He's actually potentially a brilliant number nine. Memphis was really good that night. So a bit, bit more of that sort of thing. We'll, we'll be, I mean, I think it's hard not to predict a United win given three wins on the bounce, players coming back, lots of players in pretty good nick in terms of form. The only fear you might have is that Van Gaal will throw a crazy back three into the mix or something. <laughs> yeah, um, yes, uh, he could well do that. No, he won't, will he? Surely. 
surely you won't do that. Uh, that is the fear, or that he'll he'll be too confident and um, change up the side a bit. But I actually can't see that. There are too many players out, and he has to. He's uh, he probably doesn't have Fellaini back either, which is a good good option. Um, a good thing, I guess. Um, so maybe he won't change it up too much because there just aren't that many players to change up. And uh, I'm not sure he'll start with the three. Um, would be a surprise. And, and look, it's a big, big chance for United. So uh, I can't I can't see him uh, resting too many players either. Um, United do want to finish top of this group, although who comes top and second in all the other groups is still up for debate. You know, even Bayern Munich are not uh, definite. Well, they're definitely going to qualify, but they're not definite to win the group. Um, although you'd expect so, and United will want to avoid Zenit and Barcelona. Um, but from the rest, you know, it's all pretty tight. Yeah, mostly we just want to avoid Barcelona, right? That's got to be the main... Barcelona and Bayern Munich. Avoid those two. You take pretty much anyone else out of that draw. Performance? Did you watch the Classico? I I did not. No, um, I I could not. But uh, a, a good performance in Barcelona, you might. Say. I would highly recommend uh, getting a hold of a copy of that game and watching it start to finish because it's one of those like just dro- jaw dropping. What the heck are they doing? Football from another planet games. All right, I will do that. I will go and find my favourite Reddit forum and uh, and play the whole thing. PSV, lots of threats. Luke de Jong still banging in goals for them. Maxime Lestien and Andres Guardado setting them up. Uh, they are the people that put up the big numbers in terms of key passes for Eindhoven. But you, you know, on form, you would say that United definitely should have enough for them. And and you know, United are very hard to beat, as we know. Uh, a draw wouldn't be a terrible result, but uh, we should expect to win. I think. No, I expect United to win this one and. Going to the the crunch game at the weekend in fine fine form, feeling good. So yeah, before we before we get to that, should we do some Twitter questions before we talk about Jamie Vardy and the gang? Let's go for it. Yeah, we can stop a major record happening here. Um, at Hendrickson Ben says, can you use Paul's acoustic cover as the new intro music? No, but could everybody please um, go to my Twitter profile and watch the video that's in the pinned tweet there? Just need big numbers on that. If you could do that, thank you very much, listeners. You might enjoy it too. It's a comedy sketch show about Manchester United made by me. I haven't watched the second episode yet. Is it any good? I mean, I liked it, but I... Are you a one episode wonder? <laughs> I hope not. I don't think so. Puppet Under and Puppet Juan are back. Uh, can you seriously... I think this is the one you were referring to earlier, Ed. At Cell One Alfara says, can you seriously see us in the top four now if De Gea had left us in the summer? It's such a strange one, isn't it? I mean, definitely fewer points and it's pretty tight at the top, so maybe not. Um, I don't think we'd be in the same position at all, but... Uh, I, I, I couldn't say for sure, but he definitely saved United at the weekend. Yeah, the Navas thing is is the significant factor, isn't it? But there's there's just been a few times this season where it's been really important to us. And I think top four, honestly, yes, I think we'd be top four, but we definitely wouldn't be talking about uh, a potential, albeit unlikely, uh, title run. Because I was thinking earlier, you mentioned that City and Arsenal are very inconsistent, which is going to be a problem. It's also going to be a big problem for us, isn't it, if we want to try and win it? For sure. I mean, in fact, it's so tight at the top that you couldn't really rule out Spurs or Liverpool making a, a shot at it. Well, no, maybe, maybe you could. Or, yeah. Or Leicester. Not going to happen. At underscore Taylor Ben says, do you think anyone other manager could have done a better rebuilding job at United? Um, and I mean, in the great unknown of possibility, the answer of that surely has to be yes. But... I do think Van Gaal is doing a bang-up job. 
of stabilising and rebuilding United after the kind of disaster of the Moyes era. Look, the frustration with Van Gaal is is not his quality or nous as a manager. I think he's putting in some long-term roots here, isn't he? Not not in terms of him staying, but in terms of the squad. So he's got quite a young squad and he's introducing lots of young players into the squad too. So um, we've spoken about this before. He does seem to have a long-term outlook. It's not just all short-termism. The frustration is the style of play which is just not united, you know, and he just doesn't seem to have got that yet. Um, and and but that's got nothing to do with United's uh, you know turnaround if if it's that I mean it's still a, a reasonably inconsistent side but so is everyone else right and that's that's keeping United in this yeah absolutely <laughs> at free on goal says how would you feel if Mata and Herrera started punching each other during a match like Lee Bowyer and Kieran Dyer that'd be fantastic I can't see it happening <laughs> but I, I'd quite enjoy that I would, I would be very sad. Matter was asked, uh, he did a video with Full Time Devils and was asked who he would buy rank cast listener at Amun Palman, who uh, asked the best question of anyone, I thought. He, he, he asked, who would you pick to go to a desert island with, De Gea or Herrera? And he picked De Gea on the basis that he would talk less, which I thought was telling. So maybe they'll fight about that. Doesn't seem like the sort of thing that makes a scrap break out in the middle of a match, but you never know. At Anton Alfie, talking of scraps breaking out, says, have you ever been on a way end in an away game in the home end and had to hold yourself from celebrating? Did you manage to do it? <laughs> many, many times. Yes, ish. Yeah, no, no, I've done that many times um, in in the halcyon days of of away travel, where you could, on oh, this ages me a bit, even pay at the gate, um, pre Premier League. <laughs> there were many, many times when the only time you could get into the game uh, was into the home end, and then even post Premier League, I've done that quite a few times. So, so what was what was the? Um, we did that, didn't we, a couple of seasons ago when uh, United beat West Brom three 0 at the Hawthorns. We went and sat right together yep. but what's your um what was the hardest goal not to celebrate uh i don't have a favorite that uh, that was hardest not to celebrate or at least not one that comes straight to mind that's probably my old age catching up with me the the one that i wasn't expecting to celebrate was at spurs where uh, Ryan Giggs danced around the keeper and scored from an impossible angle. And uh, I jumped up and every single other person in the Spurs end jumped up too. <laughs> so you were you were actually quite safe because there was a lot of reds in the place, right? There were a lot of reds in the place, yeah. What's the most reds you've ever been with in a, in a home end? At Selhurst Park. And, um, and I can this is mid-90s or so, uh, when... I would say about 90% of the ground uh, versus Wimbledon. Right. 90% of the ground was uh, United. Brilliant. Uh, I, I do love the stories, Ed. I do love the stories. Um, I I know that Anton was was at Vicarage Road in, in the home end and last minute injury time winners have got to be... They're, 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 they're the killers, aren't they? That's got to be quite hard not to celebrate. That's <laughs> the one where you jump up and then go, oh, no. The most difficult one for me, apart from when Welbeck scored against West Brom back in the housing days, uh, Welbeck love, was when we came back from 2-0 down against Villa and sat in the end opposite the whole end, just like behind the goal that uh, Vidic and Makeda scored. And I think Makeda got the first one and Vidic scored a header and went and ran into the crowd like a loon. Okay, uh, final question at Tad Davis thirty one says: Is there a better defender in the Premier League than Chris Smalling? Not right now. I mean, um, I guess you'd make a case for for many a few other players in the in the Premier League, 
being high quality defenders, but Smalling's got it all right now. I mean, the thing that is still not of the highest quality is his passing. Um, it's not it's not bad, and it doesn't let it, it doesn't let him down in the way that it has done in the past. Um, no, it's better than but, it was. Uh, you know, he's not uh, he's not like Alessandro Nesta or. Paolo Maldini with his passing, is he? But um, as a defender, just absolutely perfect right now. Wins everything in the air. Great pace over the ground. Reads the game really well. And he's he's a fine, fine player for United. And uh, we thought it'd be that, I guess. Uh, but um, it's taken him a while to get there. Yeah, absolutely. But just turned 26. And let's talk of pet theories. This is one of my very favourite pet theories, which is that centre-backs mature late. And if you look at Rio Ferdinand's career, this was about the time he stopped making a lot of mistakes as well, uh, that sort of age. So maybe that's there's something in that. Uh, Phil Jones injured again, just like... I, he's got to go, right? He's going to go in the summer, you'd think, unless he somehow gets a long stretch in the side. Well, he's got to get fit. Yeah. And, and you know, it's looked good when he's played with Smalling at the back, generally speaking, hasn't it? Yeah. You know, and and uh, you'd say if he could stay fit, and Smalling has managed to stay fit this season, um, which is probably the first season where he's not been injured quite a bit. Yeah. And so if Jones could do that, he'd get himself into the side probably and and could form a fine partnership, but he can't. No, absolutely. I was, it was sad to see him hobble off yet again. It feels like he's only just got back and that just feels like what keeps happening. So, yeah, uh, talking of players who are in form, they don't get more in form than Jamie Vardy, who could beat Rude Van Nesselrooy's record. And in a way, sorry, I know this is like sacrilege, sort of feels like what Vardy's done this season is a little bit, not more impressive than Ruud van Nistelrooy's career as a centre-forward. But van Nistelrooy's 10 in a row came uh, with the last five games of one season and the first five games of the next season, which does feel a bit different to doing it like 10 games in succession. Yep, Uh, Vardy equaled Ruud van Nistelrooy's Premier League record of scoring in 10 games in a row. Although Wikipedia tells me that Steve Bloomer also scored in 10 games in a row from uh, 9th of March 1895 onwards. Ah, uh, a great a great uh, dynamic centre forward slash potentially made up person, Steve Bloomer. Yeah, no idea, no idea. Uh, we we can stop this record happening, can't we? 11. That's uh, just not right. It, it would be very ironic for him to score that against Manchester United. Uh, he got the 10th uh, at St James's Park, which is where Rude got the 10th as well, which is a weird one. Uh, it felt totally inevitable that Vardy would gets that record because he is on fire as are Leicester in general uh, very very fine work by Claudio Ranieri uh, some really dynamic exciting attacking football they are certainly not bored at the King Power Stadium no uh, they're not bored Leicester scoring goals uh, playing good football uh, a threat uh, winning uh, again comfortably at Newcastle United although you know you'd have to want immediate sacking if you're not winning comfortably at Newcastle United at the moment. Yeah, yeah, but they yeah, beat Watford, beat West Brom. So they're um, you know, they're in fine form winning games uh, and that's why they're top of the league, I guess. <laughs> this edge yeah. Honestly, classic analysis. That is that is the best thirty seconds of the rank cast in history. Leicester are in good form and are winning games. That's why they're top of the league. I'd put a Geordie accent on if I was any good at acting. <laughs> Genuinely, this is an extremely tough game. Our toughest game since Arsenal away, probably, I would say. They are in such good form that to take them lightly... I don't know what the odds are, but I would be surprised if United's a fa- United are favourites to win that game. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the last time Leicester got hammered was against Arsenal. 
uh, back in September. So they are competitive in every single game, Leicester. Uh, so uh, United are in for a tough game, definitely. I, I'm not sure that Leicester will score five, um, as happened last time round. But um, oh yeah, <laughs> forgot about that. That had been a right. Oh god, what a what a different world that seems. That that was when it seemed for half an hour like Man United were going to win the Champions League mm-hmm. that season with led by Falcao and Di Maria. Mm-hmm. A weird blip in United's history that half an hour of that game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, uh, everything was corrected after that. Um, <laughs> in fact, you could you could look at all the boring football United played this season and draw a line directly back to <laughs> Leicester away. Um, yeah. So. Absolutely right. You're completely right. This is going to be a really tough game. I mean, it shouldn't be, of course, because this is Leicester and uh, and it's United going to Leicester. Uh, but but they're yeah, they're in great form. And and I think actually they are somewhat evidence of the the resurgence of mid ranked Premier League teams. Really, the the narrowing of the gap in some way based on the crazy money that's come into the Premier League in the last couple of seasons. And the theory was always, of course, that the mid the mid-ranking sides would get stronger. And and whilst, you know, you must surely assume that Leicester's form right now is an outlier, it's kind of the best they could be doing, they have got bags of talent in that side. And it is that that's making the difference. Like Mares is definitely a player who you think could play at a much higher level. Right, right. Yeah, but I was going to say, I mean, it's not like they've spent tons of money, though. No, true. I mean, they really haven't. They're doing it on the basis of, of you know, putting to, together a squad for a reasonable amount and, and many of the players who uh, were actually in uh, in lower divisions with them as well. But so, uh, you know, Allure and Vardy up front are going to cause United some problems at the back. Although, you know, you'd you'd, you'd say that both styles of players are one that um, Smalling would be able to cope with, I think. Uh, Mares is the one that's interesting now because his movement's really good and he pops up in all sorts of strange places on the pitch and no matter where he actually starts them. And, you know, he's that's one of the reasons why you think that he could play at a higher level because he's just got that, not only that real class on the ball, but that kind of unpredictability that you need in a player like that. But Vardy, I, I, f- I think to sort of say that he's the kind of defender, p- player that Smalling will be all right against i'm not even sure that's true is it because he plays right on the shoulder and he's constantly kind of making little darting runs in behind and i feel like depending on who's partnering smalling that is the kind of thing that especially if like it's blint and smalling at the back again that does feel like something that could expose us yeah well certainly vardy's pace versus blint you you'd think it would be a problem but then again you know we talked about this so many times at the beginning of the season that blint was both slow and no good in the air and he's never really let united down when he's played at centre back, um, just a few games at the Emirates and Swansea. So uh, yeah, who, who knows? I mean, I guess with Jones injured, it will be Blint, won't it? Yeah, you can't see him playing Rocco there after what he did at the weekend. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, you know, Smalling will attack the high ball, and and uh, Blint's going to have to clean up at the back. Yeah, I think it's going to be a big challenge. I'm and. I, the thing they do, of course, happen that does happen is that Leicester concede pretty freely too. Newcastle weren't able to take advantage of that, but I think it's fair to say that Newcastle are very, very bad. The uh, um, Ochoa, Achloa goal, I'm not sure of the pronunciation, against Newcastle was one of the worst bits of defending I've quite literally ever seen. You can't leave a striker 
just on his own for, I don't know, a good 20 seconds he had at the back post. It was absolutely ridiculous. But anyway, so United should get opportunities against Leicester. And we have been in a run of games where we've scored goals in every game, right? We've That's two games in a row where we've scored two. It's very exciting. Scored one in the game before that. And, you know, keep that up against PSV and Leicester. Very good. Yeah, got to, of course, got to get past Fuchs and Kent in the in the Leicester midfield there. I make a joke about how you have to have the correct moral imperative to do that, but it's one bit highbrow there. Uh, anyway, um, what's your prediction for the two games then, Ed? I think United are going to beat PSV. Uh-huh. 2-0. Okay. Wow. And uh, 1-0 at Leicester. Oh, wow. I like that optimism, but I think 1-0 at Leicester is a very optimistic guess. I'm going to go with a 2-1 win over PSV and I think a uh, a 3-2 win at Leicester. There you go. We'll go gung-ho in the last minute and get another last minute winner and then the narrative will all be about how we're going to win the league. So you just you start that segment by saying that that's a bit optimistic, 1-0 at Leicester. Ah, the nil. Yeah, the nil. It's, it's the nil part. It's the nil part, Ed. Not, not the one part. Fair enough. Yeah, well, I mean, that would be five wins in a row from United, wouldn't it? If uh, if uh, that comes off, Leicester and uh, PSV next week. And why not? I think realistically, a win and a draw is probably what's going to happen, actually, in the next week. Um, and that would be okay. Like, I don't think that would be disastrous by any means i think we have to acknowledge the fact that a draw away at leicester would be a reasonable result at this point lads it's leicester they've been good though ed this is this i know i know their name is leicester but they are top of the league they they are the best team in the premier league this season so far up to now what what has the world come to the state of football this shouldn't be happening uh no i mean actually it's a good thing isn't it you know it's a good thing there's some inconsistency at the top because um, in recent seasons, well, for the last 25 years, it's it's all been a little predictable at times. Yeah, although it was all right when the thing that was predictable was that we would win the league every year. That was OK. That was that all was right, fine. actually. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that yeah. sort of predictability is good. It's when other people start to win the league every year. That's that's bad. Um, I, I think like in terms of the title race, Chelsea are obviously out of it. They're, they're now talking about fourth place. They're in full Moyes mode right they've they have totally blown this season and have got a real struggle on their hands to finish fourth they've they're going to have to win most games now right yeah they are yeah i mean because they're they're um well 7 points behind fifth 12 behind fourth at the moment 12 and and to make sort of low 70s which is typically where fourth comes 71 72 that's that kind of um that kind of total yeah they're going to have to go on like champions winning form for the next you know 2.3 points per game or something like that in order to to make it into fourth seems unlikely and you'd think as the further the further the season goes on and the, the more unlikely that seems uh the more the focus would go you'd think much has happened at united too yeah absolutely so then you think that the fourth place well i i think that united have uh we're really gonna have to mess up from here to not not come in the top four and and you definitely say the same about Arsenal and City. And and I still think Arsenal and City have got to be battling out for the title. But but actually, Arsenal, having been very impressive, have started to Arsenal it up a bit and Coquelin's out for a long time. And that's mm, the... That will hurt them. Yeah, that's, again, that's the position he just didn't strengthen again. Um, 
So it's like Wenger's going to Wenger it up yet again. Yeah. But the the transfer window in January, which we're not talking about until 1st of December, will be very interesting because United could fill in a couple of gaps and uh, it might make a big difference. Yeah, one of those gaps would be uh, a speedy winger by the name of Cristiano Ronaldo. Well, it's been talked about a lot this week, hasn't it? Yeah, Van Gaal just talked about it out in the open. Um, wow. I mean, and he talked about him, him as a winger. This is the thing about... When Van Hal says people are strikers are wingers, <laughs> you know, I haven't got a Scooby what he's actually talking about, you know. So, um, yeah, um, Cristiano plays basically plays up front now. Um, he's scored just the 14 goals in 15 games, so having a bad season for him. Like, not just a bad season, but, but an absolutely abject season for him. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing is, you know, like... It's of course you want Cristiano back at United, and who Ugh, who cares what it would cost? But but he will be thirty one and and a bit, yeah. uh, and clearly on the downturn. And he's a preening cock. You know, I could take the preening cock if he's a preening cock scoring a goal a game. Definitely, no problem at all with that. But he's definitely going to be on the downswing. So are United going to invest what a hundred million odd wages plus. Uh, fee uh, for four years of Cristiano on the downswing. I mean, the, of course, that that financial outlay is massively offset by the insane commercial combination that would be Ronaldo and United. Um, but I just think it'd be horrible. That's that's my main problem with it. It's just like we finally got this team full of like really likable characters and they seem to be building this real kind of genuine team spirit and their big stars are not um big egomaniacal stars. They're they're big stars who are all about building team spirit. Schweinsteiger is the kind of essence of that. And you put Ronaldo in a mix. Like I don't know if you saw uh his interview on Jonathan Ross or uh, any of that film, but it's like it's ju- he's just such a his drivenness has it's gone beyond the point that it was at when he was at United when it was like a bit uncomfortable sometimes to a whole new level where he just doesn't celebrate when his teammates score basically, and and he just seems to be entirely driven by the pursuit of personal greatness and it's it's narcissistic megalomania gone rampantly wild yeah for sure for sure and that's um that's why i was saying he's a printing cock but um but he's but he's that you know destructive weapon that that united might need of course look if united going to spend that kind of money then then there are other players out there in the world who are very good too if you want the best couple of players in the world messi presumably is not ever available um, and would cost like half a billion pounds. Um, so Ronaldo's the next one. Is he? Do you think he's still number two? I think there's a good argument to say that Neymar's currently surpassed him. Um, Potentially. Yeah, but He scored a half-decent goal the other day, Neymar. He is good. Neymar is good. There's no, no doubt about that now. But anyway, um, a big, long sidetrack discussion uh, about a player who probably won't ever come back to United because... Can't help thinking he'll just end up going to Paris Saint-Germain, really. Or something like that, yeah. No, it makes sense. Uh, join Mourinho there next summer. Um, <laughs> join maybe... Mourinho at Old Trafford next summer. That, summer <laughs> that story did the round somehow during international break. Yeah, not going to happen. Um, and maybe Rafa Benitez can go to Chelsea. Oh, he could go this winter, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Is he still in a job? I don't know, actually. I haven't checked today. It can't be. He can't be for much longer, that's for sure. Thank you for listening. 
Uh, if you want to, you can read what I have to say on Bleacher Report uh, and you Max it, and you can read what Ed has to say on UnitedRant.co.uk. You can get us both on Twitter at UTD Rantcast for me, at United Rant for Ed. Get us both, or more accurately, neither of us, at facebook.com slash United Rant. And if you want to help with the show, uh, super helpful to us if you subscribe to the show using whatever podcasting software you use, whether that's iTunes or something on an Android platform, hit that subscribe button, that'd be awesome. If you do use iTunes, a review is really helpful to us. And if you want to contribute to our massive end of season party, we're not really having a massive end of season party, unitedrant.co.uk slash donate. And thanks as always to producer Tom, who does a sterling job with this. That's enough rank cost for one week, surely. Uh, we'll be back and do another one of these after we go top of the league by beating Leicester.